Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to founders and CEOs all about their epic business blunders. And with us on the line uh, is the CEO of an incredible company that we're going to get into in a moment called yellowcard.io, and his name is Justin Peru. Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So I am the uh, co-founder and CTO of Yellowcard, by the way. I I manage our... All right. Okay, fine. That's fine. Co-founder, CTO. You're the guy. You're the guy at the top. All right. Here we go. So why don't you kick us off with the elevator pitch, Um, Justin? What are you guys up to there at Yellowcard? Cool. Yeah. So Yellowcard is one of the largest uh, cryptocurrency exchange and payment providers on the African continent. You, you can kind of think about us in a similar way or similar interface to a Coinbase or a Cash App, but for the African market. So, you know, that means we uh, onboard people that could be converting as little as $2 into a U.S. dollar stable tokens. Or within our app, we allow you to facilitate cross-border payments, you know, save in uh, different stable tokens, access Bitcoin, uh, different financial instruments such as that. Uh, we operate in about 16 countries across Africa. And we've recently launched a payments API, which enables companies to send and receive money from Africa all through a single integration. So we've done over $1.75 billion in transactions since 2019, have about 1.4 million users across the continent. And the company itself is uh, 98% African, you know, so we like to say it's built by Africans for Africans. Amazing, amazing. I know the space really, really well. Um, so congrats on all your success, man. I think uh, what you guys are doing in Africa, Africa needs more innovations like the ones that you guys are doing. So congrats on all your success. So let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this one. Now, what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today? Yeah, so, you know, I've got I've got quite a few, but the, the one that I'm, I'm going to focus on is you know, more specifically to kind of delivery for a uh, for a young startup that's that's trying to you know reach market fit, have constant delivery of products. And, and and so I like to tell people that you know Yellow Card was remote and distributed before it was cool. Uh, you know, we've been remote since day one, back starting in like 2018 or so before the uh, the pandemic. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, we were a bit of a guinea pig to the, the remote world. Uh, and, and, and really, the, the big fail that I want to talk about was over the course of, say, 2019 uh, into 2020, maybe beginning of 21, where uh, you know, we, we just simply, as a engineering and product team, simply could not hit timelines and deliver uh, you know, for our customers. We were almost always late when it came to our product rollouts or feature updates. And you know, often I found myself having to spend several days you know straight in the weeds trying to get something over the line and then of course it's still being you know late uh that led to honestly a lot of different you know it's moments of embarrassment for me you know we had to call off marketing events we had to send out updates to customers that this you know feature that we had been um you know uh pushing to our, our customers like had to be delayed and it, and it led to some you know negative sentiment when it came to our brand and our ability to uh deliver. And so, you know, I really couldn't figure it out for the longest time. I, I had good engineers. Um, we we had some structure and process in place, a good tech stack, but we just could not get it over the line without me really, to, really having to go deep in the, uh, in, in the weeds. And, you know, that, that led to 
different things personally. I mean, it, it, for a young founder, um, you know, there's this idea of imposter syndrome. And I think constantly dragging on, on in terms of the business growing, having the engineering department be something that is dragging the, uh, the company growth back. You know, it really took an impact on me and, and my confidence level and, you know, the sense of imposter syndrome. Um, you know, we were thinking about a bunch of different avenues on how, how do we solve this? Is it, you know, do we look to outsourcing? Do we, should I start hiring engineers in America? Uh, you know, are there major gaps in our software delivery lifecycle that, you know, need to have some drastic changes to it? Um, and if you fast forward to today, fortunately, we don't suffer from those same you know, issues. We have a world-class team across the continent. We're constantly delivering new product and functionality for our users. But, you know, the, 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 the real big issue though, is that we were that, that time period, you know, it felt like we were lagging behind. We had massive intentions and massive goals in front of us and a, you know, truly untapped market. There, there wasn't many players across the world that were focused on, you know, the individual that wanted to buy $2 worth of USDT or, or Bitcoin as a hedge against, you know, different avenues and, um, you know, issues within their own, uh, financial system. Um, and, and, you know, it was stressful, like having this push and pull between massive intentions and goals and, and not being able to understand why on, on my side, we were able to, you know, really hit that. Um, and, and so ultimately, I did a few things to to, to bridge the gap in the, the distributed world and align us to be able to deliver. Um, but just to, to you know summarize, I think ultimately the failure was having a year or two of not being able to take a step back and let go of the reins for my team to be to to be the experts that they were hired to be. You know, when you when you I think there's a little bit of a mental shift when, especially for a CTO, someone who is so passionate about building this product and it's essentially their baby right uh but 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 you know ultimately being able to let go of the reins is is something that's you know has really boistered uh, our ability to deliver and you know i think we'll we'll chat through that a bit more yeah so let's get into that uh let's get into that now so what did you learn from that experience i mean obviously delegation is also a skill it's a it's something that you have to get comfortable with like sometimes it's just like i've learned that to scale something especially a platform you've actually just got to let fires burn like you can't be the guy to come in and save the day every single time you've actually got to just let the fire burn and empower your team to you know go out there and do it and solve it on their own otherwise you're not building a better business you know what i mean but you have to be comfortable with making that happen or allowing that to happen and letting the fire burn when you know that uh, you could probably solve it yourself, you know? So what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, in a lot of ways, not letting go of the reins, you end up shooting yourself in the foot, you know, like, yes, you can fix the problem for today, but what about tomorrow and the next week? You're you're not setting the the, the business up to be able to scale, you know, autonomously. Um, and, and, and so ultimately my learning was dissolving the silos and dependency on me as the CTO. Um, I read this amazing book called The Phoenix Project by Gene Kim. Um, and there's actually a sequel, The, uh, the Unicorn Project, and he wrote the DevOps Handbook. And, and, and his, particularly this book, but his series of books really changed my perspective in a lot of, in a lot of ways on how to actually run the organization and, and highlighted a few major issues, you know, to me specifically, where a lot of the book, specifically the Phoenix Project, revolves around this character, Brent, that is, he has almost a gravitational pull of knowledge, 
around him. He's everybody's go-to guy. If there is a fire, he is going to put it out. He is going to work the long hours. And, and the, the book overviews the transition that they took uh, to kind of alleviate some of those stressors and having this one individual have this silo that has a gravitational pull around it. Um, so, you know, I, I did a few things to take a step back and remove myself as a blocker. You know, the, the, the first thing was uh, understanding that I needed a, uh, you know, a partner when it comes to the day-to-day side of things. I, um, you know, put my ego aside. I decided to set up the role of vice president of engineering, uh, you know, have very clear kind of guidelines in terms of I want to be on, you know, this, I, I want to work on this space predominantly. I want to be higher level, working at working on the strategic level, thinking about where the company is going to be going in terms of our technology within, you know, the next year and having a partner to rely on to get in the weeds on the day-to-day uh, side of things when it comes to actual operational, um, you know, excellence and, and, and continuing to grow the, the day-to-day delivery in the team. Um on top of that, what I think you know is another big impact is, uh, you know, really empowering the your team and the engineers to be able to um, have a sense of ownership and a sense of knowledge sharing, so that it, it it's almost a um, you know a bad thing if an engineer is keeping on to all of this knowledge himself. Like I, I wanted to promote within our team sharing this knowledge, and so what I did is I set up a few different types of calls. That also help kind of bridge the gap of us not all working in an office together and being able to say, hey, man, look at this. You know, so what I did is I set up roundtable discussions so that engineers can present on uh, suggestions and improvement plans for you know our architecture and our kind of bigger tech stack. And then on top of that, and, and you know, more importantly, in a lot of ways, is creating this knowledge sharing session where every single week we would have a new engineer present on a topic. And it didn't even have to be about, you know, yellow card work specifically. It could be on a technology they're geeking out about, something that they're working on as a hobby in their free time. Maybe they read a really interesting article and spent the weekend, you know, exploring it. Mm. And really just giving them that platform to be able to share, take questions, and remove some of the the friction that that comes into play in the remote world where it's just natural to have these silos. And it can be attractive to an engineer that, say, built this system where, you know, I know this front to back, I'm the X guy, you know, and everyone is going to come to me for this. I think there's a time and place for that, but you know, slowly propagating out this knowledge that, that you know, engineers are building up has been one of the biggest kind of avenues. So if you fast forward to today, I, I think I started that late 2019 or so. We have a backlog of, you know, 100, 150 hour-long or shorter uh, sessions um, where a new engineer coming onto Yellow Card, they have 100-plus, you know, different videos that they can sit down, watch, uh, you know, understand the questions being asked, understand what's being presented, and gain context on our kind of growing evolution of our tech stack. But most importantly, I think it was the engineers felt empowered to share, you know, ultimately share their knowledge that they built up, either in a silo or something even not relevant to yellow card, just to remove some of those, those boundaries. And then, and then finally, I would say the last point is, you know, relying, one of the biggest changes that I made is, is, and it's what, what you were saying is, you know, relying on the engineers or whoever you hire to be the, the expert that they are, you know, at this point I've hired specialists and very experienced, wise professional leaders that, 
I'm able to let go of the reins more. You know, I trust them. I view my leadership team and some of the senior engineers as, you know, almost a partner in a lot of ways where we are shooting towards the same goal. Uh, and I need to let them, you know, do the job that they were hired to do. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's you got the QBE, brother. It's uh, qualified by experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I was going to ask you what would you do differently, but I think you kind of net landed that already. Um, let's get into your advice to other CEOs. So, Justin, what is your advice to other entrepreneurs, CEOs listening to us or watching us right now, in terms of the importance of failure or failing in business success? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's harder to get a better learning opportunity than a failure, right? I mean, hence your show. I, I, you know, I think it's it's a brilliant approach to take uh, as having founders talk about their failures because it is it is the number one knowledge like throughout the entire, you can read books, you can take courses, but going through it yourself and, you know, experiencing that fire and figuring out exactly how to put it out is, yeah, it's very valuable. Uh, and, 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 you know, what I would say about my failures, uh, in particular the one I've, I've spoken about, is you know put your ego aside um don't 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 be afraid to trust those that you have hired because you've hired them for a reason uh you are paying them a full-time salary for their expertise in their field and of course there's different levels to that uh where you know maybe you hire a junior and you have certain expectations but let them be a junior let them make mistakes let them make suggestions and hear from others you know why it's a good or bad suggestion um, and on top of that, I would say, and it's a little kitsch, but, you know, measure twice, cut once, right? In the world of product delivery and the software delivery lifecycle, we hear it all the time, you know, measure twice, cut once. And it, it is so, so true. The, the easy route that you have in your head of, oh, I have it, I have it all in my head. What needs to be done? Let me just go sit down and do it. Instead of taking a step back, writing proper documentation that could make sense to anyone in your org to where you don't have this natural silo, um, I think it's really important. And so that looks like that looks like setting up product requirement specifications and, and um, you know, communicating from all levels what the real goals are, what the mission is, why things need to be done a certain way and kind of establish proper boundaries and then, of course, supplement that with a culture of learning and sharing to further remove these boundaries. So there's not this kind of either knowledge silo or kind of natural boundaries that form from a remote distributed team. Mm, yeah, amazing. Well, Justin, you're doing a lot of things right, brother. So uh, congratulations to you. And I love what you guys are doing, you know, being from Africa myself and knowing the crypto and payment transfer space. Um, you know, really well contextually down there. It's a very different beast. And so it's amazing actually because, you know, a lot of, um, let's just say, you know, companies that come from the US when they're trying to enter the, into the African market, like they just fuck it up. <laughs> like, yeah. like they don't actually figure it, they don't know that it's completely different. And they go, they try and do the copy paste look at exactly. works here so let's paste it there it's like no <laughs> so yeah, you guys exactly. have figured out a lot of stuff and to to pull it off in africa and to reach the kind of scale that you guys have reached like you know it's uh you guys should be really proud yeah no i appreciate the kind words it's that's probably my one of my number one learning is you know trust the experts but most importantly ensure that you have the experts that 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 know you know where you need to you need to go i mean that's why we're 98 percent african and you know rely on 
you know, our customer, our, our, our team to essentially dog food in a lot of ways and give that next level insight that we couldn't possibly have here in America. Yeah. So thank you for everything, Matt. This has been great. Yeah, it's been awesome, dude. It's been awesome. Well, look, thanks. Thanks again, Justin, for your time and for being in the hot seat. Appreciate you for being vulnerable and sharing your perspectives. Everybody else, we'll see you all again soon. Cheers for now.